0: Well good morning you hope. It is good to see you. Um, and if you'd like to take out your outline that'd be fantastic for you. Just joining us we're in part three of a series we've been looking at called Different and we're looking at the book of 1st Peter. <clears throat> how many of you have found the book of 1st Peter? Okay how many of you are reading it? Okay great. Highly recommend it. Join us the rest of the church It's a very short book but it'll help you systematically work through books. <clears throat> when you first become a Christian, you may start off with something like the Word for Today. And that's kind of like what we do with little Olympia at the moment. We spoon-feed her little bits and pieces. As you grow, she will end up, and most kids end up, having a more solid food. And you end up taking in more of the Word of God. So I highly encourage you, like the book of Galatians. the very few chapters. You could read that in less than half an hour. Book of First Peter, Jude, one chapter. By now, it's good for you to be reading books together. And when you do that, make sure, like we're just saying, that we give God your attention. Because I don't know about you, my mind wanders. Point of absolute honesty here this morning. Let's start with this. If God is first in your affections, when you get out of bed in the morning, what is the first thing you dive for? Some of you, it'll be a cup of coffee. All right, that's good. I understand that. Mia culpa. And Mia cuppa too. <laughs> okay, so that's first. But here's the second point, and this is right to the heart of the issue. And the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you some of this morning right on this issue. How many of you race for your phone to see what Facebook has said, Twitter has said, Instagram has said, before you go to the Word of God? Don't need to put your hand up. What gets the first of your attention? Because once you start scrolling through that stuff, have you found it's very easy to be very distracted? And it gets the first of your heart. Challenge. Would you this week see if you've got that under control? By not, deliberately not going to your phone until you've spent some time with God. There's a challenge. Who's going to accept that? Can I see your hands? Okay. May God, Father, Holy Spirit, I know that's a small thing, but it's an issue of the heart. I pray that, Lord, as they meet with you this week, as we meet with you, that you meet with us, and that, Lord, our pleasure will be found firstly in you. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, guys, this week, as I was reading. First Peter, over and over again, I noticed something that came up. Just fl- flick up the, um, the next slide, guys, would you? Uh, next one. This. Just, just quickly. I noticed one quick word. I'm, I'm blessed. You can get this too, by the way, for free. It's called Word Search Bible. You can pick it up for free. Zap it in there. I typed in the word call. And I noticed number one thing is that there's a lot of calls called and calling in First Peter. Actually, seven. Of them mentioned there. And one of the things that was clear to me, without drilling into all the detail, is this clearly God calls us. That's what I can tell straight away. God calls us as a church and as individuals and to set you apart. Called, hey, remember when you were at school and you're getting picked for the netball team, Nicola? And they said, You. You go, "Mm, I'm in the team. I've been chosen. I've been called out. I want you. I want you. I want you. You. And boy, once you're in that team, you and you, you've been set apart to work in that team. You are called, set apart to do something different. Whenever you recognize that you've been chosen or called to do something, it builds anticipation, it emboldens you, it empowers you. Remember, for example, if some of you have been called as prefects at school and you could walk around, and then when you were supposed to be in class, You weren't getting in trouble. You were were a bit more confident. Remember when the teacher said, Oh, oh, no, that's right. You were prefect. you have been called out. You were different. Now, God's purpose in choosing believers for himself is that they may declare, calling them out, is that they may declare the praise of him to others. The praise of him. If I really love my wife, let me tell you, it's going to come out at work. Because I want to tell somebody what an awesome mother she is. What a great gal she is. What a kind and considerate person. It'll come out from the abundance of the heart the mouth confesses. Now the Bible says this. Interesting verse I was reading this week. 1 Peter 2.9 But you. This is you. You are. Now notice this. Notice the plurality of this too. Number one. You are a chosen people. Okay. Chosen. People. Together. Group. A chosen people. A royal priesthood. That means you've been selected for something very unique. You are priests. We're all priests to God. A holy nation. Again, a group. We need to be holy. A people belonging to God. That. Why? So four things. One, two, three, four. That. One. You may declare the praises. This is why you've been chosen. That you may declare the praises of him who called you. Where? Out of darkness. It's dark there. Into his wonderful light. From darkness into light. Black and white. Now praises could be also translated. To to, to let people know about his eminent qualities. His excellencies. His virtues. Now we talk about calling a lot. When we talk about that in the church. A lot of people wonder. What am I called to do? Anybody ever wondered that? Anybody ever wondered that? What does God want me to do? Well, there are three types of calling I want to roughly touch on, but the third one I'm going to drill on. Number one, the first type of call is an eternal call to Christ. God is calling whosoever will to be reconciled to him through his son Jesus. There is no other name under heaven or earth by which man may be saved. None. It is extremely narrow and exclusive. Like, I live at number... oh I should need to be careful what I say here. I live at a particular address. And only that address is going to get you to my place. I've got a particular phone number. Only that particular number is going to get you to me. Exclusive. Peter and Andrew were brothers. Good buddies. They were also business partners. And they knew what it was like to be called by Jesus. These are the first disciples called by Jesus to follow him. They were called to follow him and to work with him. They knew clearly that they were called to leave their own desires and works and to follow him with focus and to devote their lives. So there's an eternal call to follow Jesus. The second quick call is you are called to a temporary assignment. A temporary assignment. Folks, we are saved to serve. Not to sit, soak, and sour. God doesn't intend you to sit around and just wait for heaven. Once you are saved, God intends to use you for his goals. And God has a ministry for you in his church and a mission for you tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning at work. Now the best use of your life, friends, to make the very best use of your life. And by the way, just a personal thing. Three of my friends died last week and they're all in the 30s. So right now I'm really feeling this. One of them has a young wife, Michelle and Aya, a little girl. Life is short. So this is important to me and to you too. with the thought that you're invincible, none of us are. Our life is but a thread. So to make the best use of however short a time we have, you must never forget two truths. And I haven't put these on your outline. You may want to just note these simple sentences. Number one, compared to eternity, life is extremely brief. Would everybody agree with that compared to eternity? The Bible is full of metaphors that teach us how brief, how temporary, how transient, how fragile life on earth is. Life is described in the Bible as a mist, actually like coming out of a kettle. As a fast runner, as a breath, gone. Gone. As a whisper smoke. Job 8, 9 in the New Living Translation says, For we were born but yesterday, and our days on earth are as transient as a shadow. Second truth you need to remember is earth is only a temporary residence. You won't be here so long. So don't get too attached. That's the point on that one. You may want to write that down somewhere. I'm not here for long. It's a temporary residence, so don't get too attached. Now, the Bible compares life on earth to temporary living in a foreign country. I've done that. I lived in Australia for 18 months. You've admitted, it, Temporary. I was a resident alien. I didn't belong there. I was squatting there. This is not your permanent home. This is not your final destination. You're just passing through, just visiting Earth. The Bible uses terms like alien, it uses the word pilgrim, you on a journey, a foreigner, don't belong, stranger, visitor, traveler to describe our brief stay on earth. Psalm 119, verse 19 says this. David said it, he said, I am but a foreigner on earth, a foreigner, I don't belong here, I am different to them. Uh, Peter explained it this way. If you call God your father, that's an if, live your time as a temporary resident on earth. If you do call him your father. God says his his children are to think differently from the way unbelievers think and what they do. Philippians 3.19 says, All they think about here on earth... All they think about is this life here on earth. That's what people who don't know Jesus, who don't call God their father, all they think about is life on earth. But we are different. We are citizens of heaven. See the contrast he's injecting into this? Where Jesus Christ lives, that is permanence. This is temporary. See, real believers understand that there is far more to life than just a few brief years that we'll live on this planet. The Bible even says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We, you and me, who call on Jesus, are Christ's ambassadors. So we represent his kingdom and his interests. Just like Nikki Haley, when she's at the UN, she represents the US's interests and the US's policies, interests, and values. That's what she does. But sadly, many Christians have betrayed their king and his kingdom. They have foolishly concluded that because they're here on earth, that this is their home. Friends, if you're a Christian, that is not your home. The Bible is really clear. 1 Peter 2.11, from the message version up here. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Powerful words to us. God warns us not to get too attached to what's around us because it is temporary. We are told, those who frequent Contact with um, those in frequent contact with the things of the world should make good use of them without becoming attached to them. For this world and all that it contains will pass away. It's temporary. A fish would never be happy on land because it was made for water. An eagle would never be satisfied. And feel satisfied if it wasn't allowed to fly. And friends, if I could say this as succinctly as I can. Friends, that gnawing, almost dissatisfaction that you feel is because you were made for more than this. You will never feel completely satisfied on earth because you were made for more. So today, I'm praying and asking God, and have been with my small group this week as I met on Friday, we prayed that God would ask you, or that we asked God to help you and I see life on earth as He says it. And David said it beautifully. He said, Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I'm here but for a moment. So God is at work in the world and He wants you to join Him. This assignment is called your mission. And world class Christians. No, they were saved to serve, they were called, and they were made for mission. And they are eager to take on a personal assignment from the king as ambassadors. So while we are here, and if you're a follower of Christ, my point is this. God is calling you to a different standard. Now we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at the third and final point here. We're also called to a daily standard. Different standard. Now before Peter tells them what they were called to do, before he says what, he's going to actually remind them of who. Very important distinction. If you want to know what you're called to do, you need to first of all start with an understanding of who you actually are. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. So who does God say you are? Back to that verse, in verse 9. You are a, this is a fact, this is the ultimate truth. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. This is your identity. You are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So those of you who are followers of Christ, what I want you to understand is that you have been chosen by God, separated out, To be in his family. You are royal priests. You are part of a holy nation. The kingdom of God. So Peter is saying to these believers. This world is not your home. Come out. Be ye separate. But you are part of something much broader and bigger. You belong to God. That's who you are. Then he says. That you may declare the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Another version says, as a result, you can show the goodness of God. He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we've been called, we've been chosen, we've been invited to step up. Now we're in the light. Our lives have moved from darkness into light. We've been transformed. We're not what we once were. But we're not what we're going to be eventually either. We're in a process of maturity. We're a new creation in Christ. We're being transformed from darkness to light by the love of Jesus. We're being called. We're being set apart. Now what I hope you understand is this today. When you know whose you are, whose you, are you will recognize what you're called to do. And sometimes I fear that we forget whose we are. This is your different daily calling to represent Jesus to an increasingly sceptical world. And here it is. If you want to know what you're called to do, we're going to look at a few verses, and you'll know who you are and what you're called to do. Verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you, here's who you are, identity, as temporary residents and foreigners, those who are loved by God, He's saying here, are exhorted to live like aliens. Those who live in a place that is not their home. Because for Christians, heaven is their real home. So I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to do what? Here's the action. Who? What? To do what? To keep away from worldly desires. That wage war against your very souls. By strangling it. With the weeds of sin. Christians, he's saying here, are to live apart, separate, from immorality and from sinful desires which surround them. Christians are to resist the pull of the inward worldly desires which war against their spiritual lives. One of those things, I'll just say to Martin today, we and technology is neither good nor bad, it's amoral. It's like my tongue. It's neither good nor bad. It's how I use it. It's like a knife. I can use it for good, butter the bread, or I can stick you with it. It's how I use it. But these things have given an opportunity for great distraction. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Be careful that these things don't distract you, that you have no time left. up all of your time. Why am I so busy? I tell you, there's a great app out and you can look at how often we spend time on our computers, screens, phones, whatever you want to say. There's a lot that goes on there, shockingly. Be careful to live properly among unbelieving neighbors. So, again, Christians are to abstain from sinful desires, not only for their spiritual well-being, but also to, in order to have some testimony, hopefully an effectively good testimony, to their believing, unbelieving neighbors. So a positive Christian lifestyle is a powerful means of convicting the world of sin. Then it says, Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see... Your honourable behaviour. Question, do our neighbours see, do our work colleagues see, our honourable behaviour? And they will give God um, honour to God when he judges the world. He says we're going to show them what we believe by how we behave. Now often in today's culture, we need to earn the right to be heard. To earn credibility by treating people with love. Treating people with respect. Treating people with grace before they'll often open up to you and start to tell you what's going on in their lives. Before we can even ever really try to tell them what we believe. And when we live at our faith, God will open up opportunities for you to share about your faith. So what is God's will for your life? Many of you have asked that. Here's the answer. Black and white. It is God's will that you live honorable lives. Honorable lives. That should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's in the way that you live, the things that you do, that silences that talk, um, the talk of those who don't know you better. And if you live honorable lives over time, then God will open those doors. Here's what I hope you'll understand, though. There will be times when you do good and you suffer. People don't respect that. In those cases, verse 21, for God called you, again, what did he call me to do? I know what God wants you to do. Here's what God wants you to do. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. That's what God says is his will. For God called you, called, different, to do good even if you mean suffering. See, our mental approach sometimes is, oh, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to keep away from that. How would that have worked out for Jesus if he had took that approach? How would that have worked out for disciples if they took that approach? In this case, Peter was writing to Christians who would suffer in ways that would go way beyond their understanding in the Western world. Now, to a lesser degree, though, here in New Zealand, let's get real. What that may mean to you is that you may not get that promotion because you're living boldly for Jesus and refusing to compromise truth. You may not get invited to a party, young ones, because you're living boldly for Jesus and you believe in absolute truth. Others of you, students at school, may, may make fun of you. That's not much fun. But they think it's fun. Because you're living boldly for Jesus and you're standing up against the tide. Nevertheless, you continue to love with the love of Jesus because it's the right thing to do. Then he says here, he, Jesus, is your example. Not the world. Not fitting in. You are to follow Jesus. First Peter 20, uh, 2, 21. What was Jesus? He was loving. He was gentle. He was kind. He was full of grace. Notice, he was never rude. He was never arrogant. He was never domineering. Never condescending. Jesus was never proud. Not defensive or hateful. Who was Jesus? He was a sinless son of God who loved Listen to this, the unlovable. That's different. He showed grace to the offensive. With the weak, when you and I would have wanted to get them moving, even the weak in the faith, he was patient. He was gentle. When people didn't understand. How many times has he said, have you not heard? Just reminding them. He was still patient. He, with, when he was rejected, he was still loving. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For the sinners, he was forgiving. Look at this as Peter describes our Savior in verse 22 He never sinned, he never deceived anyone. And by the way, Peter was remembering because he'd studied the Bible. He was, he was quoting there from Isaiah 53 verse 9. And it says, and they made and this is going backwards. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man his death. That's, you know who that was, don't you? Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. That was the part that Peter was injecting here. Verse 23, he did not retaliate, this is Jesus, when he was insulted. Nor did he threaten revenge when he suffered. Boy, oh boy, that is different. He left this case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Again, Peter was thinking back to Isaiah again. When it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened his mouth not. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Wasn't quick to fly off the mouth when things weren't going well. This is our savior. He is our example of a different response, the whole purpose of the series, of a different way of living. It's far more different than you and I can even imagine. It's a different at a different level. Now let's be clear: normal, just to reset the picture, to contrast it, normal is. Well, curse those who curse you. Get even with those who stiff you. Hate those who hate you. Get revenge. If people wrong you, criticize them and gossip about them. That is not what Jesus is after here. You see, we don't just have an eternal call to follow Christ. We don't just have a temporary call to an assignment. We have a daily call to look different. So what does that difference actually look like? Verse 9. Let's do it again. Do not repay evil for evil. That's different. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. That's different. Instead, what are Jesus followers called to do? This is what we are called to do. Chosen as royal priesthood, a chosen people. A holy nation of people belonging to God. A separate group. We are called to pay them back with a blessing, the Bible says. There it is there. That's different. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So you're called to go the extra mile. When somebody asks for the shirt, give them your jacket. To love your enemies. To bless those who persecute you. Boy, that was one of the toughest things I had to work through as a young Christian. I didn't want to pray for my enemies at first. I didn't want to mention their name. <laughs> no, seriously. If you, you can blah, blah, blah. But if you really mean it in your heart, it takes some guts and you can't do it quick. You've got to get your head and your heart and all I'm the say, Okay, we're going to take this slowly, God. And you name them by name. <laughs> and then you pray a blessing for them. Oh, boy, that's slow and painful. But you're going to do it until it starts to work. If you wait till you feel like it, you're never going to do it, trust me. You're going to do what he says. So you are called, and by the way, you are on call. You are on call. That means when the phone goes, you pick it up and you answer. You see a need. You answer that. You'll know because the Holy Spirit will show you and you'll, begin, you'll have the battle in your heart because your old self will go, I don't want to do this. It's inconvenient. But you'll know. You know who you are. It tells you what you're called to do. It says right here, you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, of people belonging to God. So God puts me on an assignment. I have a daily assignment to live differently. To daily let the light of Jesus shine through and show the love of God. I'm on call. You're on call as you see that need at work tomorrow to love somebody, to take some time in your business to get your numbers. Slow down a second. It's not about numbers. You've got to get your numbers. I understand that. Been there, done that. But you've got to remember there are people here. And why do you think God put you there? You're, going to, you're on call to serve. You're on call to give. You're on call to be a blessing. So God gives us eyes to see the needs of the people in the world tomorrow around you. He gives us a heart to care for those who are hurting. We are called to do good. We are called to be different by what we do. Now, this is when it comes down to rubber meeting road by the way that we live. We show up for work on time, we do a good job, not slipshod. We pay all of our bills, we pay things back. If we borrow, we pay back in full. We're a voice of encouragement. We're a positive presence in the office. Not a cloud of doom or negativity or stroppiness or irritability. We're not messengers of gossip. It stops with us. In fact, people don't like to gossip around us because they sense they're not going to get much sympathy. We're messengers of hope. We build people up. We look for the good. When they criticize us, we don't retaliate. This is how it shows up tomorrow at work. Why? Because Jesus, the sonless son of, um, sinless Son of God, did not retaliate. He's their example, and He bore our sins that we could have eternal life. And God says we're being called out of darkness and into light. Let's pray. Father, today when we gather around your word, this seems challenging. Tomorrow, when we're in the seat at work, would you empower your church to shine brightly into this world? To help us recognize, God, that we have a different daily calling than getting our heads down and just making money for the companies. Instead of looking for that big something out there, God, help us realize that there's something big right in front of us tomorrow. An opportunity to be different, to be salt and light. Love and grace in this world. Father, we realize that we can take a horse to water, but it doesn't necessarily mean it would drink. Would you be the salt through us that causes these people in the world to want to know more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.